Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. Here's another verse we may not know as well. Be near me, Lord Jesus, I ask thee to stay close by me forever and love me, I pray. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care and take us to heaven to live with thee there. Lord Jesus, it's so easy to celebrate and think fondly of the first time you came, and I just pray that we will hear you in this next month as you really speak to our hearts through your word and prepare us to celebrate and to think fondly of your second coming, your second advent. Jesus, sober our hearts and comfort them at the same time. Help us to be brave and to trust you and to obey your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, obviously, it's almost December 2012, and so for the Mayans, that's a really big deal. And uh, our culture will be talking about it and making little jokes about it and all of that, and <clears throat> I kind of hope they're right. That would be okay with me. Uh, but typically, uh, when we talk about it, we talk about like, hee, 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 ha, ha, ha. But really, the end of the world is really no laughing matter. And when Hollywood gives us ideas of what it looks like, um, it's typically pretty grandiose and terrifying. And I remember several years ago, I went to see a movie called Armageddon. I don't know if you saw this movie. But it, there was this one scene in a movie that was very sober and very intense, and I laughed out loud really hard and it was very ill-placed, and I know I made people around me mad, but here's why. The scene, the music was like, and all the, like, you know, important military people were gathering together, and all the music was intense, and this man gets his briefcase, and he opens it up, and he stands up to address everyone in the room. Gentlemen, the Bible calls this Armageddon, but now we have the technology to stop it. That was the part where I was like, <laughs> like, you didn't really just say that. Like, really seriously? <laughs> you, you think you can have the technology to stop that? I was like, oh, God, help us. <laughs> we're, we're, we're just stupid. <laughs> that, that was just stupid. <laughs> that, wasn't even, that wasn't even close. So we see all these Hollywood renditions of, like, we're going to build a boat. It's like, well, Noah already did that. Already did that. <laughs> We're going to escape somehow. And that's what most of the themes are about. <clears throat> the end of the world movies are this little group of people that, that escaped. Made it out. Lucky them. And I guess the thing for us is to say, I'm sorry to say, but that isn't true. We're all going to get it. That's it. There, that's the teaching for today. <laughs> you can all go home now. <laughs> Aren't you glad you went to church? Um, <laughs> yeah, this, this whole end time second coming is going to be quite different than the first one. And we know that first time he snuck in, 
laid in a manger. A lot of people missed it, like the whole way, missed the whole thing. That isn't going to happen next time. There isn't going to be a doubt with anybody. Nobody's going to go, well, I don't think so. It's all going to be understood collectively all at once because this time he's coming as king of kings and lord of lords on a on a horse of victory and triumph it's not going to be a meek and mild baby in a manger so it's exciting it's hopeful but it's just that labor part that we've got to go through before the baby comes that we get our knees knocking and our heart can go weak at at all that Jesus said is going to come. And so over the next four weeks, we really want to try to have a discussion about this as a church and really encourage us as a church to hear and heed the words of Jesus in this hour, our blessed hope, what he had to say for us, that our hearts will be sobered, but that our hearts will also be greatly and deeply comforted at these words and that we really will take all of this very, very seriously. Um, so I want to read to you Matthew 24, just a little bit of it, and let you hear from Jesus himself. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked? I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out, that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and be put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. I also want to read to you from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus, this is verse 1, by the way and are being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to become uneasily settled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us, saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the, do the man doomed to destruction. He opposes and exalts himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, and even sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. And then on down to verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, 
displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They will perish because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. Those are big, giant words. Wars, rumors of wars, persecuted, handed over to death. Brother will turn against brother. The love of many will grow cold. The rise of an antichrist. Wow-wee. That's intense. And as we walk through the next four weeks, we're going to try to talk about some of those gigantor questions like the signs of the end of the days and the Antichrist and the rapture and the tribulation and the judgment and rewards in heaven and how does all this work? And I want to tell you that when we talk about this, a lot of people get bent out of shape or some people inside the church have a lot of opinions about how this is going to happen. And they'll talk about, well, it's some of you won't even know what this means. And if you don't, it's all right. Don't worry about it. But others of you do. They'll call it pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, something else. Some people joke and go, I'm pro-trib um, or pro-rapture, whatever it is. Anyway, all these terms that people, people turn, uh, fuss over and fight about, about when will it happen and will, will the Antichrist come first and then Jesus will come. And, and they fuss over the order of it all. Well, I just want to put you to rest. Over the next four weeks, we're not going to propose the order of it all. We're just going to say it's all coming for sure. 100% in some order that Jesus sees as best, right? So it's all coming. It's all coming. And what we want to talk about today is the signs of the end and the Antichrist and all of that and, and what is our posture supposed to be. And uh, Brian, just a heads up, I'm going to do this a little out of order than what I sent you. I want to show you a picture of the first time I was expectant, full and pregnant with this hope. This is uh, me right before I was about to deliver my firstborn, Isaac. And uh, I had taken pictures in that door frame. You know how you do all along the way. Just so excited that my tummy would be big. And this was right at the end. I was so excited, smiling really big. Look how big my fat tummy is. It's so exciting. And all of this, this never had gone through this before. Very excited. Well, I want to let you know that... Um, this labor experience that Jesus talks about in Matthew 24, he says, these are the beginning of the birth pains. Well, the reason I volunteered for the first talk today is because of the communication team, I'm the only one that had felt those things. <laughs> so I said, hey, how about me? <laughs> you guys can theorize, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what it's about. So beginning of the birth pains. It's exciting and smiling. And some of our women, many of our women, about 20 of the ladies here at Highland just had babies just within the last few months. So this is very relevant information. But early labor um, is an interesting thing. And uh, by the way, for those of you who don't know, labor comes in three stages. There's early labor, active labor, and then transition. And uh, early labor is basically like a you know, ow, little cramp, little whoo. But you don't really have to stop doing what you're doing. You can be playing with the kids or doing the dishes or folding some laundry, and you might just kind of go, whew, you all right? Yeah, think something might be starting. But you kind of just keep on going. That's the way early labor is. Early labor can be like, 
for moms who are in it, because if you go to the hospital when you're in early labor, they'll probably send you back home, because they're like, you're, it's not real yet. I was in early labor for like a month by the time Ellick came around. My body was like, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just really, don't really want to yet. I just want to make you miserable for like a month. So your body's kind of trying to get started, but it really hasn't started. Now, if you're a midwife or a doula or you're working with with a woman who is in labor, what you're going to start watching for is her eyebrows. Because as she's doing her little dishes and she's in early labor, all of a sudden she's going to, ooh, and those things are going to go together. And she's going to, like, lean over on something and go, and you're like, you okay? And you're like, whoa, that was a whopper. (laughs) That one hurt. And you're like, all right, well, let's keep watching. And then you can know that she's moving out of early labor and getting into active labor if she can't do anything in it anymore when she's having contractions. She's no longer multitasking mama. She is contracting. That is what she's doing. And it's typically an active labor that husband and friends will come and say, you know what, I think it's time to get the bags and go to the hospital because active labor is shorter than early labor. Praise the Lord. So when you get through active labor, typically that's when you're getting in the hospital, which really isn't a good time because she's cranky mama. Don't want to be messed with. But you're getting all the stuff and getting all the, tell me your name, tell me all that stuff. You're getting into active labor. But then there is this thing called transition. Wow. The first time I felt a transition contraction, I'll never forget it. God is my witness. The first thing that came to my mind was, Jesus, you know how to curse. Sent promise. That is what I said. Because the first thing I thought of was uh, the curse on Eve. I will greatly increase your pain in childbearing. I was like, you are not kidding. Like, (laughs) that is unbelievable what's going on inside there. I'm telling you, that hurts so much. Sorry for everyone. But that really, it really does hurt. Really does. So, Shannon can tell you that I bit him uh, on the way. (laughs) You know in old movies when they're like, trying to like cut a guy's leg off and they put a stick in their mouth. I didn't realize you, that's a very real urge to bite. Very real when you're in a lot of pain. I learned that. Shannon learned that the hard way. So (laughs) we got better as at the labors as we went through them. But anyway, transition is very painful and the contractions are coming so intensely and so fast that you don't really get a lot of break in between. You're just the baby's coming. Typically when you're in transition is when the mom will say all kinds of crazy things like, I don't want to do this anymore. I changed my mind. I'm going to go home. And the husband will have to say things like, no, you're almost there. The baby's coming. The baby's coming. So I say all that to say this, Jesus was really smart when he said, this will be like the beginning of the birth pains. He's given us a big clue right there at like, yeah, this might be a little bumpy. But just remember it comes in stages, and there's an end, and at the end is all things are made new. The baby comes, new life, the new kingdom. Jesus will return. So as we talk about these signs of the end, I want us to think about them in the terms of hope. Because at the end, do you already see the picture of Isaac? I forgot. Did you see that smiling picture? of the baby. There he is. Right. And that was uh, right after you can see him been crying and sweating, but there's the reward was in the hands. And this is the picture that each of us 
as we journey as Christ followers through these end times, I pray that God keeps us that, that hope. We lift up our heads. There's a lot of questions about this end time experience. And as Miss Sue already told the children, there's these postures, and we see them. We see them all the time with people uh, talking about the end times. There's this posture, you know, which Sue already did. Or there's this posture. Somebody get a gun. Like you're going to, you know, protect yourself through the end times. There's this posture, which is, oh, I don't really, I don't really care. And then there's the one that Jesus uh, told us to have in Luke 21, which is stand up, lift up your heads, your redemption is drawing near. So you have a choice about how you want to journey through the end times. But I do want to let you know that those, all of us living on the face of the planet, whenever the Lord puts the green light on that the labor has begun, we're going to walk it. This is not Facebook Bible where you get to choose what you like. Well, I don't want to. I don't, I'm not, this is, there is negative energy coming from this. And I, or, and I want, or because we're Americans, sometimes we think the kingdom of God is a democracy and we get to vote. I am, I am opposed to this idea of the second coming of Christ and the transitional period that will come before that. I vote no. All right. Well, you can, you can cast your little ballot as much as you want, but this is not a democracy. This is a monarchy. We have a king and his will is going to be done. And it doesn't matter what we feel about it. And that's hard for us Americans. Because we like to get our little neck up and say, well, if I don't believe it, then it's not true. (laughs) Except for that Matthew 24, the very final part of it, um, 24th, I think it's 33, he says, heaven and earth will pass away, friends, but my words will never pass away. That chair you're sitting in, that sky out there, those beautiful mountains, as much as we love them, they're going to pass away. But those words in Matthew 24 are never going to pass away. Here's another reason why we have to prepare ourselves that this is coming. There were about, I think it's 322 prophecies in the Old Testament saying that Jesus was going to come the first time. Guess how many of those he fulfilled? 322. Odds are pretty good that he's going to fulfill all the prophecies about his second coming. So if I were a betting woman, I would put all of my money on the fact that Jesus is going to fulfill his word. It's coming. It's coming. Maybe sooner than we know. I don't know the timing. I just know the sureness of the word that he is coming. So as we walk into these days that some of us would say, man, we've got to be getting in some of it right now. I mean, we've got to be getting in some of it. But as we walk in, how are we going to walk? The first question that we started wrestling with and thought perhaps some of us would be wrestling with is, uh, will I be deceived? Will this Antichrist deceive me? As I walk into these end days, will I be deceived? First John tells us that the spirit of the Antichrist is already here. Yeah, it will come into this person that will have power, but that spirit, that idea is already here. And John, the apostle John, was battling that spirit of the Antichrist back when he was writing the letters. 
The spirit of the Antichrist is already among us. So I guess the question I want to ask you is not so much, will you be deceived, but are you deceived? I don't know why we get this idea that at the end times there's going to be a little switch that's going to turn on inside us and we're all going to be prepared. I think that's part of the deception. My question is, not will you be deceived, but are you? What is the spirit of the Antichrist? Well, it's very simple. It's anything that's anti-Jesus. Anti-Jesus. Here's an anti-Jesus thought. There are many ways to God. You can get there however you want. That is a very anti-Jesus thought. Why? Because it looks at the finished work of Jesus on the cross and say and says, oh, that was unnecessary. That was a big waste of time. You didn't have to go do all of that because you can get to God however you want. You can pick whichever little world thought of religion that you want. Are we battling that right now today? Absolutely. Many of you are wrestling with it in your heart right now. And that's why I'm coming to say the question isn't, will you be deceived? Are you? That is a very anti-Jesus thought. This idea that you can worship the creation instead of the creator to find oneness with God, to enter into the presence of God, that is a very anti-Jesus kind of thought. Why? Because it says the finished work of the Jesus on the cross wasn't necessary. What are you going to do that for? Well, you really did suffer an awful lot. Didn't have to do that. I can get to God any which way I want. I watched TV and they told me that. I went to college, got myself an education, and they said, I can do this however I want. I took World Religion 101. So that was a big waste of energy. That is a very anti-Jesus thought. And one that might hit a little closer to home is this other thought that we really battle here in this city, and that is the thought that I can be good enough to make it into heaven. See? Here is, here is my goodness. And, I, and here is my report card, and my goodness outweighs my badness. And so I get in because I was good. That is also a very anti-Jesus thought. Why? Because it says that the finished work of Jesus on the cross was unnecessary. He didn't have to do all that. I was good all by myself. He do it myself. Well, if you can do it yourself, then Jesus didn't have to do what he did. And so this idea, this religious spirit that can get in us, this idea of we can choose our path, those are anti-Jesus thoughts. So the question isn't, will you be deceived? Are you? And I want to submit to you all that the way you endure the second coming of Christ is by making peace with the first one. Bowing your knee and your head here at a manger. And singing worship songs like Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Those are the songs of the saints as we endure and prepare for the second coming. There's another question. Will I get wiped out with these earthquakes, wars and rumors of wars, these natural disasters? 
Um, I don't think I've shown you yet. There's a chart that I found on Google that shows uh, the increase over the last hundred years. Well, actually, that's 1900. Boy, they're really increasing. That was that wasn't off of a Bible or something. That was just Google science. Um, looks to me like the increase of the birth pains, increasing in frequency and intensity. And we're watching it happen all around us, aren't we? When we moved here to Asheville seven years ago, it was right in the time of Katrina. And you remember Katrina? We all huddled around our TVs and our jaws dropped at what we were watching at the level of devastation disaster. Do you know what the insurance forms calls hurricanes? Acts of God. Because when people have to claim, like, well, who did that to your house? God. I mean, that's what they call it, an act of God. So we watched that, and it was painful and horrible, and we all kind of stared at it, and then we watched as slowly life got back to normal, and wasn't, it wasn't that long till we were watching the tsunami. And we were huddling around our TVs and our radios and our internet, and we were watching and listening to that devastation. And I remember between those two particular devastations, this thing clicked in my brain and I went, this is starting to feel a little like an increase in labor. Remember what I told you about when you have a labor pain, you stop and you can't multitask anymore. And isn't that kind of what we're starting to do with these tragedies? Aren't we all kind of stopping? We're kind of staring at it. We're focusing our attention, praying and watching, and then we take a breath. And then aren't we just looking over here and, oh, having to just kind of, like we're groaning with the earth. And I guess I just want to propose that maybe we're kind of entering into the end of early labor. I don't know. Seems like it's beginning to increase in intensity. And Jesus said it's coming. So here's the challenge I have for us, church, as we watch the earth groan. We sing big words to God all the time in church about creation. I've been really thinking a lot about this one. Listen to the lyric here. Your voice, it thunders. The oaks start twisting. Picture that in your mind. What are we seeing? The forest sounds with cedars breaking. The waters see you and start their writhing, and from the depths the song is rising. What's being described there? Your voice, it thunders. The ground is shaking. The mighty mountains are trembling. Creation sees you and starts composing. The fields and trees, they start rejoicing. And now it's rising from the ground. And now it's rising from the ground. Hear us crying out. Hear us crying out. What is this writer saying? What is the ground saying? Holy, 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 holy Lord, the earth is yours, the earth is yours, holy, 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 holy Lord, the earth is yours, the earth is yours. And it's hard when we're watching that, when our heart is fainting and our knees are knocking. But I want to say, saints, as we walk into these times, we worship the Lord because he had the first word. He spoke this all into existence, and he will have the final word. He will have the omega. 
He will finish it. The earth is his, and it doesn't matter what we think about that or how we feel about it. When the ground shakes, it's responding to our holy God. And those of us who are born of his spirit, we lift our head when these things begin to come and look for our redemption is drawing near. Guys, you can come on up. The last couple questions that I I wanted to ask us as we prepare here for the end is, will I stand firm to the end? That Matthew 24 speaks of many people turning away from the faith when the persecution begins. Will I stand firm to the end? And I guess that's the same question I want to ask you. Maybe it's not will I, but am I? What does it take to shake us to where we would deny Christ? Where is our loyalty? Because there isn't going to be a magic end time button. The question is, am I? Am I? Am I loyal to the end? One of the questions or songs that I love to sing in my personal worship, we sing it here a lot at church, is, Oh, Christ, be the center of my life. Be the place I fix my eyes. Be the center of my life. Hold everything together. Jesus, hold everything together. Oh, Christ. Be the center of my life. And church, that's the question. Is Jesus the center of your life now? If so, then the question has been answered. No, he's the center of your life. You're not going anywhere. He's my life. He's my breath. I don't have anywhere else to go. Yeah, it may cost me everything to stay in that place. But there is nowhere to go. He's the center of my life. The scripture talks about the love of many growing cold. And this one really concerns me. Shana and I have been talking about this one a lot. I think we're walking in this right now. I really do. Jesus said the love of many would grow cold. The love of most, actually, is said. The love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. I wonder if the reason our love grows cold is because we're just so hurt. We've just hurt each other really bad. And we really are hurting. And we're mad and we're angry. And we've got unforgiveness in our heart. And we feel justified in doing so because some of the stuff that's happened to us has been nasty stuff. But Jesus doesn't give a paragraph on why their love grew cold. He just said the love of most grew cold. And my cry and my prayer for this church is that we will not be of those who are like this or are like this, but that we are like this. And if our love is beginning to grow cold now, that is a sign. That's a sign of the end of the times. We must move in forgiveness and reconciliation. We can't do this. This this city is not loving each other well inside the churches. We're not. It's terrible testimony. We're breaking each other's hearts. We can't keep doing this. We can't be so mad at each other. What are we gaining? Nothing. We're isolating ourselves. The love of most 
will grow cold. So not will my love grow cold, has my love grown cold? God, forgive us. Give us brave hearts to be willing to say, forgive me. I forgive you. It will never get easy, but it will always be right to stand firm in love. As we prepare here for communion, I wanted us to move right to it from this talk to remember Jesus because what Jesus said is that heaven and earth was going to pass away, but his words would never pass away. And then later we're told in 1 Thessalonians that we are to comfort each other with these words. When that transition comes on us, when the earth begins to cry out and groan as in the pains of childbearing, we say to one another, don't forget, remember Jesus. Remember he's coming. Remember he's coming. That's what this is. Lift, stand up, lift up your heads. Your redemption is drawing near. So as we move to celebrate communion and to worship, we are remembering that we are celebrating the only shelter we have in the end times is Jesus himself. The only provision we have in the end times is Jesus himself. The only rock to hide behind in the end times is Jesus himself. And so church, you cannot endure the second advent if you haven't made peace with the first one. There is no hope. Our hope is Jesus. There isn't a cave big enough or a rock large enough to escape. He is coming. He is coming. Praise God. He is coming. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus for your church. And when he comes, let him find this little church at 101 Billmore Avenue. Lifted heads and arms. See, I was watching for you. I was watching for you. I knew you'd come. I knew you'd come. And here's my brothers and my sisters and my family. Here we are. Here we are. We're yours. Lord Jesus, I just pray that uh, we'll do whatever business we need to do with you. Please sober our hearts. Jesus, please don't let us excuse ourselves from the imminence of your coming. Please help us make peace with you. The forgive me's that may need to be spoken, the knees that need to bend to you as you are Lord. Lord Jesus, let us be comforted in this hour that you are in fact coming. This world is not conclusion. This world is not home. And we praise you that you are prepared a way for us. And I pray, Lord, we'll be able to walk in the reality of these words. In Jesus' name, amen.